My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable at your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. My sermon this morning is going to be titled, Be Ready, and I'll be dipping into all three passages this morning from Isaiah, Romans, and the Gospel according to St. Matthew. It's that time of year when Thanksgiving is over, when we are exhausted from spending so much time with our family members and our friends. We're exhausted from our Black Friday shopping, even though it was all done online. It's still somehow just as exhausting, right? Surfing, trying to find the best deals as standing outside in the cold at midnight at Target's. And we feel like we can finally take a breath because Christmas is still a few weeks away. And you know what? We still have time. We still have time before everything starts to ramp up uh, once again for the Christmas season. And then we come to church and we're like, yes, let's hear from God. And then we hear the scriptures read this morning and the intensity that ha- of what has just been read seems to be a little bit more intense maybe than what we've heard the past few weeks. Like our reading levels have gone from like a 5 to an 11. And I think that it's important to remember that, that Advent is a time of, of reflection on, on the first advent of Christ, but it's also a time where we are confronted with a reality check, namely that there is a second advent that we are to expect as well, which was the focus of all of the readings this morning. And in the book of Isaiah, he talks about the mountain of the house of the Lord being established as the highest mountain that will be lifted up over the hills and that all the nations will bow to it. This speaks to the scope of God's kingdom. This speaks to the entirety of his kingdom. That everyone from every nation, just as they will see the sun return, right? They will see the mountain of the Lord. And that everyone will come to this mountain to worship the Lord and to learn to walk in his ways. And it goes on to say that God will be the judge of the nations. That God will decide their disputes. That they're going to take their swords and beat them into plowshares. And they're going to take their spears and turn them into pruning hooks. And what I think is important about that particular section of this passage from Isaiah. I could be wrong. This is straight off the top of my head. If I am, I'm sure someone can correct me either in person or online. But I think at in a, maybe it might be at the United Nations where they actually have that portion of scripture about beating your swords into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks. But the idea here is, is that because of God's rule, because of God's reign, because of God coming to establish his kingdom, he coming to establish true justice over the earth, his true reign of goodness, love, and righteousness, that the weapons of war are no longer necessary that the weapons of war are to be transformed into weapons of cultivation. You need a plowshare to dig up your field so you can plant seed so the seed can grow. And you need the pruning hook so you can, you can harvest it. It's this transformation of life from one of conflict to, to something that's pastoral and peaceful. And this speaks of 
God's coming kingdom. And I think this, I think the, the, this particular passage is multi-layered, brothers and sisters, because this is the path of Christ. Christ does not come as a conquering king and his first advent. He doesn't come with legions of angels when he's born. They do appear, right, in the sky in Bethlehem to the shepherds, but they don't follow him around visibly everywhere. Jesus doesn't try and take a kingdom by force. And then when Christ dies, he doesn't die in battle. He doesn't die with a weapon in his hand. There's a reformer in Zurich named Zwingli. My least favorite of the reformers, by the way. That's how he died, fighting a battle. He went out in his armor, had sword, spear, went out, did battle, and was killed. That's not how the way of Christ works, right? Swords into plowshares isn't just about the peacefulness of God's coming kingdom. It's about the peace that as Christ followers that we're to have, that we're to display in our own lives, that we are to uh, cultivate in our hearts and to share that with others. St. Paul says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all. And it is our calling as Christ followers to model his way of, of peace to others. And ultimately, peace is something that only Christ brings. Because what Christ does is he creates peace between one another. But he also brings peace between humanity and God. That sin is something very real. That sin is a spiritual force that has enslaved us. That has cut us off from the source of life, which is God. And that Christ, in Christ, we are united back with the God we rebelled against. And only then, once the peace is experienced by us and in us, and as we are formed into the body of Christ, only then, in the fullness of God's kingdom, will peace reign on the earth. It's important to, to, to work for peace. It's important to fight for peace. But we understand, brothers and sisters, there's nothing that we can do to bring about a social utopia that's going to bring peace to everyone. But it's our job as Christians to live in peace as much as we can with others. It's important also to note that God's house will be established. That God's house will be established. And this is something that we see beginning here in the season of Advent with the coming of Christ. God made all these promises to David, right? If you stay faithful to me, you'll, you'll, your throne will last forever. And Jesus is descended, as we understand, from the house of David. That this house is going to be established. And I think it helps us brothers and sisters to remember one thing. We hear all of these promises and we're going to hear about the stuff I'm going to reference right now in the book of Romans. All of this stuff speaks of a future reality. And there's something that theologians will call, and I can't remember who coined this, but this concept is, is all through the scriptures. That as God's kingdom, we exist already in it as Christ's followers, right? As we have been baptized into Christ, we have been forgiven of our sins, we have been justified, born again, brought into the family of God. Salvation is something that we have experienced right now, but salvation is something that we will only fully experience at the second advent of Christ. It's something, it's something coming. It's something coming. But as Christians, time is a little bit weird for us, right? Because we live in a, in, a, in a kingdom not bound by time. In that we have an experience 
of what's to come already. We have a portion of it now already. This is called the, the now and the not yet of the kingdom. That as Christians we live in the tension between that. Between what we have now and what we have fully to realize. And I think a lot of times Christians get into problems when they try to lean in too much into the not yet at expense of, of the now. I'll give you an example, right? I come from a background where, um, called Pentecostalism, right? Where uh, physical healing uh, was one of the, is one of the spiritual gifts. And that it's always God's will to heal anyone who's sick. But what that does is that overemphasizes the total healing of the human person that we will only experience at the end of time. And it tries to localize that in the right now. Now we can pray and ask God for healing. Sometimes he's gracious. He, well, he's always gracious, but we can ask him for healing. And sometimes his answer is no. Sometimes his answer is maybe. Sometimes his answer is yes. So we ask according to his will, the scriptures tell us. That's how we can lean too much into the not yet at the expense of the now. And then we can also uh, lean into the not yet at the expense of the now is when we try to apply everything that is God's work and we try to make it our work. We try to make God's work of complete and righteous justice. We try to make that completely our work in the here and now. But that's not our battle to have. That's God will bring about true justice. As good as our intentions are, wherever you fall on the political spectrum, the left, the right, the middle, none of us will be able to bring about God's justice because it's only something God can bring. Now, does that mean then that we ignore the plight of the poor and the suffering? No. Because that's what we're called to do as Christians is to serve the now and the not yet. And then in the passage from the book of Romans, St. Paul highlights the importance of fulfilling the law of God. And he says that uh, it is filled in the, fulfilled in the commandment, loving your neighbor as yourself. Right? So the commandments are generally divided up into two parts. The first few are directed towards God. The second half is directed towards um, relationships with one another. He says here in Romans, in other words, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to try to steal from your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to try to murder your neighbor, even though they might really make you angry, right? If you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet anything that they have, even if they have like a really nice car. I don't know, or a pool or something, right? If we love our neighbors, we will not do any of those things. And this love that we're supposed to display for our neighbor is rooted in something. And that makes me think of the question right in the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus says, well, who is this man's neighbor? And they said, well, the, the Samaritan. And Jesus says, very good, go and do likewise. Because the question that starts the whole thing is, well, who's my neighbor, Jesus? Hell, let's see, let me see Jesus get out of this. And Jesus is basically saying, everybody is your neighbor. This love for our neighbor is rooted in our salvation. He says our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Right? That means that day that Isaiah talked about, the coming of the mountain of the house of the Lord, we're closer to that day now than what we were yesterday. And today, even though we're in 2022, we are one step closer to the coming of the mountain of the house of the Lord than we were yesterday. Just because it's taken a very long time does not mean that God's promises to us are idle. 
Because let's remember the thousands of years in the Old Testament from God's initial promises to the fulfillment in Jesus. For Paul and the Christian church, the coming of the house of the Lord is the coming of Jesus Christ. Not only for his first advent, but also for his second. The day is at hand. Jesus is returning and the full establishment of God's kingdom on the earth is at hand. So in light of this kingdom that's almost here, it's so close we can taste it. Even though we're thousands of years removed from it, we are still close to it. Because let's face it with God, God exists apart from time. Time, space, all of that stuff is contained in God. In light of this coming kingdom that's one day closer to us, we are expected to live in a certain way. We are expected to live as those who have put on Christ. We're expected to and we're told to walk properly as in the daytime. And we say day, night. He uses this example because in the daytime we can see clearly because the sun is out. Even if it's kind of a cloudy day and it's a little dark, we still can see pretty good. At nighttime, when the sun has set, it's hard to see. So that's when lots of bad things happen, is at night. People's houses get broken into, fights, all that stuff. Happen a lot at night. Because that's when the bulk of evil deeds are done. And so what Paul is saying, if we are in Christ and you are expected, brothers and sisters, to live like you're in the daytime. Even if it's in the nighttime, live in the nighttime like it's the daytime. In other words, let's live lives of holiness, putting off the desires of our flesh, which wage war against the Holy Spirit given to us in our baptisms. And then lastly, in the gospel according to St. Matthew, we get to the topic of be ready. Be ready. So in the first part we talked about the mountain of the house of the Lord, and in Romans, we talked about love and expectation. And now in the Gospel of Matthew, we look at being ready. Because all of these three things work together. Jesus is telling the disciples about his second advent. I am coming again. He speaks of signs in the sky. He speaks of the powers of heaven being shaken. And if you come to our Revelation class on Wednesday nights, you'll hear specifically what signs in the heavens means. And if you want to know, you can talk to Phyllis and Cindy after service. They'll tell you exactly what it is. He's not saying signs in the heavens. He's not talking about literal stars in space falling from the sky, right? Because stars are pretty massive. Space is pretty big. And there are countless billions of stars. And they're made of super hot gases. So if like one star, even if like the sun shifted just a little bit closer to the earth, we would be fried. Right? So he's not talking about actual stars being cast down. He's using this figurative language to speak of something. It's speaking of his coming in, in, in judgment. He will come again to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. He's saying these are signs of coming in judgment because judgment is just not something humanity will experience, right? But judgment is something that everything in creation will experience. The entirety of the created order, both humans and angels and demons, everything that exists will all be judged. That's what the signs in the heavens are. Is that the evil forces that have rebelled against God and enticed humanity to sin, their judgment is coming as well. And it says the tribes of the nations will mourn when they see him return. They will mourn because they know their day and their time of evil is over. Their day and their time of evil is over. 
Here's the thing, though. Guess who won't be mourning? M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Who won't be mourning? Well, you. You won't be mourning. Well, you say, well, why won't I be mourning, Pastor Mike? He says, the tribes of the earth. Well, we'll see him in mourn. Are you in Christ? Have you been united to Christ? Do you belong to Christ? Do you have faith in or have you been faithful to Christ? Then the time of his second coming for us is a time of joy. It's not a time for us of mourning. But for those who have rejected him, it will be. But for us, it's going to be a time of joy. Because it's the, the time that our souls have been waiting for. In fact, the time that I think all humanity is waiting for, even though they may not know it, because we all know that something is off with the world and we wish we could figure out just how to fix it or to make things better. But the only one who can is Christ. And so we wait for that day with joy. For us, it'll be a happy time. I was blessed to... Um, to perform a wedding for the daughter of a very dear friend of mine yesterday. And I was sitting there and I was really, it was a great, it was a great wedding. It was a time of joy, a time of happiness. And one of his, one, I think his second oldest daughter, after years of searching and, 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 and relationship, just, just difficulty, she finally met someone who loved her as much as she, she was able to love in return. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful, and everybody was crying, and it was great. It was a time of joy. There was dancing and feasting. And when Christ returns, that's what it's going to be like for us. And that's actually the language that Scripture uses as a wedding feast. You see it in Revelation in particular. For us, it will be a joyous feast, a time of happiness. We have nothing to be afraid of when Christ returns because we belong to him. And as he said, no one can snatch us out of his hand. But we need to be ready he says, because it's going to happen quickly. He says, here are some signs <laughs> right, that, that might look like this time is, is near. No one knows it. I'm not going to tell you. And I wish a lot of people who were really into biblical prophecy would actually read Matthew 24, right? And no one knows the day. No one knows the time. So stop trying to figure it out. How many of you were around when those billboards were going up all over the place? Do you remember those? Jesus is coming. It was like October 29th, like, I don't know. I think it was like 2013 or something like that. The billboards were everywhere. They were all over the place. Well, guess what? That was wrong. So then they put up more billboards. No, we got it wrong by like a year. And then that year came by and there was no return of the Lord. Like, we won't know. The point is not to try to figure out when Jesus is going to return, but be prepared for when he does. Be ready. Be awake. Be about doing the things he told us to do. Loving one another. Serving one another. Serving the poor. Serving the least fortunate. Looking out for one another here in our congregation. That love for neighbor. Extending that to those who are outside. To call them in and bring them into the family of God. Through repentance of their sin and faith in Christ. So that when he does return in glory. They will not cry out in mourning. But they will greet him like we will with joy. And to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our soon and coming King, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church 
repair fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.